We are in a series called Relationships. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, like we mentioned, we weren't going to be here. We were going to be uh, cleaning up uh, this home. Uh, and so uh, there is a home back there behind all those bikes. And uh, we do this every year. And just to give you a little idea, we plan out our year, the entire year, in January. So we have this date, the carnival um, trunk or treat, toys for tots, all those things already planned out and we're already working on them all. And so uh, this day, June 3rd, was Be the Church Day. And what we've done is uh, we, we, all, the whole staff uh, has been talking about this idea of Be the Church, Toys for Tots, the carnival, all those things, wrapping them all into one umbrella called Love Our City. Uh, and so that's what we're now naming it. So our next event, the carnival, is a Love Our City event. In the fall, we're going to try to get back to a house. We don't know if it's this one or not for that event. And that's a Love Our City event. But um, I, what had happened with this home is the city had called up. Well, the city had so told the people that live in this house, they're in their 80s, that if they didn't get everything cleaned up, the city was going to come, clean everything up, and then bill them. And they don't have any money. And I have a son who's um, in his late 50s who had kind of uh, gathered all these things. And, uh, and so what had happened was they, the home asked, is there anybody in Garden Grove that can help us? And the city said, we know of one, one place, and it was Living Spring. And so we, we went over there. We took these pictures. This is part of the backyard well, the reason I'm showing you these pictures is so that you can be so happy to be hearing one of my sermons for once. Um, so it, it was kind of uh, all different aspects of this backyard. The backyard itself is um, enormous. As a matter of fact, you can see that's a really good picture that goes on. It looks like the end of Indiana Jones, the first one with all the boxes lined up that go on forever. Um, this is my favorite picture. Um, because it has a valet parking sign in the middle because it's really hard to find a parking space back there. Um, and so I thought about, well, what, what am I going to preach on? Uh, you know, I didn't know what kind of Sunday this was going to be. I didn't know when we canceled that event, did, would people think church was canceled and all those different things. And so I thought about, what about preaching a sermon about when God changes your plans, <laughs> okay? Since we're already on that topic anyway and make it a little uh, easier. But as I began to go through that, I started thinking that Actually, this, these are plans that some of you might actually be happy that he changed because you're like, oh, good, we don't have to clean up, clean up all that stuff. Um, but as I think about our congregation and I think about the people that Living Spring impacts uh, in our community, um, I, I decided to change the title to what happens when God isn't conforming to your plans, what happens when God has a different set of plans, and judging by all the, the giggles and sighs, and I, we're on the right track. Um, if, if you're in a place, because we're going to be talking about pain, we're going to be talking about uh, difficult situations, where is God when we're heading into difficulty? Um, there's a book that you might be interested in if you're in a process like that and you like to read. It's by Timothy Keller. 
and it's called um, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And um, uh, I'll be mentioning some of the things from that book, but uh, if you're in a place or you know somebody who's in a place of pain and suffering, um, you might want to recommend that book or read it yourself and have at least some tools to be able to deal with those things. If you're like me, uh, you've maybe had this thought in your mind that says something that goes along like this. If God is loving, and if God is all-powerful, he's all-loving and he's all-powerful, why is there pain in the world? Now, we can kind of throw some Christian platitudes at it and say, well, it's not his fault, we're broken, it's sin, it's all those things. And that's fair enough, and I don't mean to say that you shouldn't say those things, they're, they're, they're true. But that doesn't really do it justice, does it? I mean, to just say, well, yeah, there, you know, there's, there's brokenness and sin and stuff. Because you can hear about some things that aren't just painful. They're tragic. They're devastating. They're disgusting. They're, 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 they, you can't wrap your mind around it. And so you'd, you'd, you'd want to say, well, yes, we have sinful stuff and all that, but, but what about those, those things? What, what, where, where's God in that? And so what, what you might end up doing is as you're going through these things of, well, he's all loving, he's all powerful, and there's pain in the world, um, maybe he's not all loving is a conclusion you might come to. Maybe he kind of, we're like his pets and he made us and watch, likes to watch us run around and stab each other and do all this stuff. And, and, and he's not all loving. He's all powerful. He created everything, right? Or you might say, well, he's all loving. He really is loving and he's up there helpless. And he's not, he's not all powerful. He's just up there going, ooh, ooh, I hope, oh man, I hope that works out. Well, ooh, I can't even look at that. Oh man, what's going on? But what I'd like to do this morning, and we can't do it in the 35 minutes that I talk, but maybe to get you to think of a third way, another way, that he is all loving, and he is all powerful, and he allows pain. He allows discomfort. He allows us to go through things. That he's all loving, he's all powerful, but he allows some things to take place. One of the verses that brings me great comfort as I start to think about these things is found in Isaiah 55. And here's what God says through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Now think about that. Think about this God that is beyond our comprehension. A God that is all-powerful, that is omnipresent, that is omniscient, all-knowing, that is all-loving. And he's saying, you know, the way you view pain, the way you view your circumstances, the way you view this, the way you view me, the way you view each other, we don't think the same about things. This is what God is saying. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. In other words, you don't handle things the way I would handle them all the time. You don't, you don't act or react the way I act or react. 
And so what, what the temptation is, especially in what we would call modernity, which is where we are now in our modern day, and we think we're getting closer to God. We're getting smarter. Like when there's something going on and I need to know about it, I, I you know, not to brag, but I Google it, okay? And then I'm that much, you know, I'm kind of smart, as smart as, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. I looked up a thing. First of all, I cannot believe that they, they were considering not making Pluto a planet. Pluto has been a planet my entire life. And now they call him a dwarf planet. I just learned that this week. I know it was in the news, but I just wasn't paying attention. Okay, so you, I learned that in 0.4 seconds. I'm getting, I'm getting smarter. I listen to podcasts that really smart people talk about. Okay, I'm, I'm getting smarter. But I, you joke, right? It's silly to think that I would be getting... But as a culture, as a society, in our postmodern humanistic way, we kind of think we're getting there. That we're someday going to be smart enough. That someday we're going we're gonna to get... That, that, that humanity, the problems we have will be mitigated once we get the right people in power, the right money distributed to the right people. We can, we can fix this. And that we could get closer to where God is. Well, God knew we were going to get here. And he had another verse right after this one. And the preface of this verse is him going, hey, by the way, I know that I said my thoughts aren't your thoughts and my ways aren't your ways. Uh, and I know that you guys are going to get smarter and that's really great. And you're, you're going to get Google and you're going to have Amazon Prime. And one day your iPhone will be delivered to you by a drone. He understands all that. That's what he said before this verse that we're going to read. But he says this, just so you understand how different our thoughts are and our ways are, he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, <laughs> as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. He makes a value judgment. He says, you're not even close. And as you get smarter and smarter and smarter and you find more and more galaxies, all those galaxies show is how much farther away they are from the earth. That's how far my thoughts are from your thoughts and how different my ways are from your ways. Have you ever talked to a kid, little kid, and you're trying to explain to this little kid why they can't have ice cream for breakfast, okay? And they, they're just... They're besides, this is so unfair that you can't have ice cream for breakfast. I mean, you know, why can't I have ice cream for breakfast? And you, you're just, you get to a point as a parent and you just go, I can't help you. I just can't help. If you don't get this, I just can't help you. Or maybe you have a teenage daughter and she's like, I'm going to the party. And you're like, not wearing that, you aren't. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, well, there's going to be boys there. They're my friends. They don't think that way. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, right, now go get changed, okay? So, so because why? Because we're older and we, we know, right? Now think about the difference between a, a, a parent and their child and God and humanity. This is the lens by which I want to look through the rest of this sermon. 
Because we do serve an all-loving God. We do serve an all-powerful God. And for some reason, he allows pain. And I don't know why. I don't know why he does it. I honestly don't. I, I, you know, people say, well, would you rather be made a, a robot that just enjoys life and then dies? I'm like, yes, I would, actually. <laughs> now that I think about it, now that you've given me that alternative, I would love to be a robot that just experiences nice things my entire life. I don't know why he does. But here's the great thing about Scripture. Instead of answering the question why, Scripture spends most of its time answering the question how. How do I get through pain? How do I make it through these devastating issues? How do I do it? And then I look around and I see people going through devastating things and they're able to get through it. How? I don't know why he allows it, but he does. And the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, not one place in the Bible, does it ever make, draw the conclusion that you will not experience pain. In your life. Never, nowhere. If you, if you have a doctrine that believes that you can get to a place where you have so much faith and so much this that you won't experience pain, it's, 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 it's not a right doctrine. However, there's better doctrine. There is no pain. There is no difficulty. There is nothing you could ever experience on this earth that you can't get through without Jesus. He is there. And he will see you through that. And so I just wanted to start out with this understanding that his ways are higher. They're higher than the heavens. Yes, we are, we, you know, the more we learn, and God bless science. I love science. I love, all science does to me is reveal just how far away we are from his thoughts and his ways. So James uh, is the brother of Jesus. We talked about him last week too as well. Um, uh, he starts out his He's writing a book or a letter to some Christians. And he only get, he identifies himself in the first verse. And then he launches in to one of the most incredible verses in the Bible. He says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever, you can underline that in your Bible, whenever or when it's happening, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy. James is on my last nerve right now, right? I got a phone call two days ago that was very disappointing. I got some bad news. I promise you, as your pastor, a man of God, I get paid to be a man of God. I did not hang up the phone and go, whoo! pure joy I love that hope I get another I just stared at my phone maybe someone else will call me with some good news like that that was great but but James gives this promise or this idea or this goal that it's actually possible it's actually possible that through trials of many kinds we can consider it pure joy now how why watch what he says Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know that. I know that. 
As a matter of fact, you know the testing of any part of your life produces perseverance. You, you, you know that when you work out, you're testing and it produces something at the end. You know when you discipline yourself in your finances, that testing produces something. You know when you discipline yourself in what you eat or when you discipline yourself to get up every morning and get into God's word. And spend that time, carve that time out. You know that when you do that, you're producing something. You know that. And watch what he says. Let perseverance, this is so incredible to me. Let perseverance finish its work. Let it do its job. So Lisa and I work out at this gym that's run by, I think, ex-convicts or something. But... (laughs) Their job is to make your life very uncomfortable for the 50 minutes that you're there. And so you do this, whatever exercises they have, you know, that they figured out in some back room or whatever. It's like, should we do waterboarding this time? No, we did that last week. So they they come up with all all their stuff. And, And then at the very end, when you're totally exhausted, they have, he'll have what they call a finisher, a finisher. Now you'd think you were finishing the workout. No, no, no. You're finished. You're, it's to finish you. And here's what happens every single time. You get done with the workout and, he's, and then he'll go, okay, we're having a finisher. And then some people will yell out some very creative language. And then, uh, and then he'll describe it. And when you're in the middle of this finisher, okay, he says this. This is why you worked out this morning. This is the money right now. The finisher is the money. This is the thing that's going to make all the difference. That's what I think about when I read this verse in James. Let it finish its work. Let the pain finish its work. Why? So that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. That somehow through this pain, somehow through allowing it to go to happen. Now again, I'm not saying seek it out. But when it happens, to be able to go, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. And you say, well, what, what is it an opportunity for? I mean, how is it, what, is it, what does it look like to have the work finished? What does it look like to be mature and complete, not lacking in anything? Well, we go from James and we jump to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was um, one of the, you know, he's he's like the greatest Christian ever outside of Jesus, who technically wasn't really a Christian, but, um, well, I guess he was. I don't know. He was a Christ. Anyway, um, so... uh, so the apostle Paul, you know, persecuted the church and then, and then spent 20 years taking ships and hiking and walking all around the Mediterranean to try to share the gospel of Christ. And, 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 uh, and so he, he goes, he's doing all this kind of, kind of things. And you'd think, depending on your, what your theology is, you'd think that if you were doing that much for God, if you were doing that, you're giving your whole life. He was getting beaten with rods. He, he was finding how he was, he was poor. He had to work. He had to work a job and do that. He was a tent mate. He made tents. Like all this kind of stuff. You would think that if God was going to spare anybody on the planet pain, it would be the person who was sacrificing the most. Right? You'd think that would be the person that, that God would say, listen, you've seen enough. Okay? 
And here's what happens. God does the opposite to Paul. That Paul had this ailment. Um, he, he calls it a thorn in the flesh. Paul had this thorn in the flesh. And he goes on to describe it. And he says, it's a messenger um, of Satan to uh, buffet me. Yet that is, that, that Greek word is, it's a blow with the fist. So that there was something that happened that was just like a gut punch to Paul. Some scholars think he had epilepsy. And that he would, he, would, he would be preaching or going about his business and he would seize. And so then, and so people in those days thought you were possessed by a demon. And so they, they, they thought that he was uh, demon possessed. Others thought that uh, he, was, um, he was going blind and so it was difficult for him to read. Others thought that it was some type of stomach issue or some, some you know, some people even think he was like bipolar or something. I don't know where they get that, but whatever. Here, here, here's the great thing. Here's the great thing. We have no idea. And I'm so glad we don't know what that thorn in the flesh is. Because if we did, especially as Americans, we'd come up with a formula. This is how you get rid of that thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. And in fact, Paul gives us this incredible language. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, again, this isn't, okay, when you read this, you're like, oh, three times. Like, it, he wasn't like, Lord, please take it away. Please. Pretty please. Oh, I guess he's not going to do it, okay? That's not what that is. It's three seasons of just gut-wrenching. Three seasons. When uh, our son, Jesse, who uh, uh, had epilepsy, as the seizures began getting worse and worse and worse and worse, uh, there was the one season that we had where we were just like, man, we, we had the elders of the church pray. We had pastors, 70 pastors prayed for him. We got all this kind of stuff. And then they'd get worse and there was another season. And then there was a really, really dark season where we were just, we were just, and, and, and to be honest, those thoughts passed through my mind. Like, they were in there. Like, man, I quit my job. I sell my house. I move to Garden Grove. And then Jesse gets epilepsy. Hmm. Where, where is God in that? Like, here I am sacrificing and God, right? See, you can see how it, it happens to anybody. It's natural. And so we were just in those things, like, just going, oh, man, just please take it away. And he, and he didn't until, until his brain surgery. You know, we, I was thinking about this this morning, and we, 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 I used to think about getting a church in San Francisco so that, because he'd never be able to drive, uh, that, well, I'd be in a church where at least we could have, like, transit around so that he could, you know, live in an apartment and take, you know, kind of be, be with us or whatever. And, um, and then, like, two weeks ago, he got his driver's license. So it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. Uh, He's, I think he's three, three and a half years now without a seizure. But these, oh, thanks. My, my point is this, my point is this, and thank you. That it is really great. It really is. But I know that there are some here who are in season one right now, season two right now, season three right now. So why I lo- I'm, I'm so happy to celebrate that 
It, 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 I identify with what it's like to be in the season. And Paul even goes farther. Listen to this. He says, I pleaded for him to take it away from me. But here's what God says. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. My grace is sufficient. My presence is sufficient. I will see you through this. It's almost like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know if you remember this story, but the king is going to go throw them into the fiery furnace. And, and uh, they, they, they say, oh, king, live forever. Our God's going to save us. But even if he doesn't, <laughs> even if he doesn't, it ain't a thing. Just know that he is God. And so he says, my power is perfected in weakness. Now watch the shift that happens to Paul. He has not lost his thorn in the flesh. He didn't have surgery and it went away. He still is in the midst of it. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm not telling you this is why God allows pain. I don't know why. But I know that God will never, ever waste your pain. God will never waste it. It'll never be for nothing. And that in some instances, for some reason, pain brings us closer to God. Pain gets us to a relationship with God that we would not have had otherwise. Now again, is that some sadistic thing? Like God's like, well, I'm not going to get close to you until you feel pain. I don't know. His ways are higher than mine up to the sun and back a million times. I, I, like, I, I have no clue. But I've experienced it. You know, you, know what I, you know what I've experienced too? I very rarely see him in my comfort. Right? When things are going really well. Because I'm not looking for him. I got it. Why do I need him? Things are good. Food's on the table. Just paid all my bills. All right, kids are fed, I'm fed, I'm fed again, again, and there's Doritos in the closet and I, that nobody knows about, and that is just my thing. Right, yeah, yeah, sport, LeBron, five o'clock tonight, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh gosh, you people, all right. So, in my comfort... I often don't even seek him. I don't even think about him. Everything's fine. It's like that pain. I'm like, oh, Lord, bless you. May you live forever. Now, let's talk about this issue. <laughs> right? He says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. There's something about those things that drive me to the throne. They drive me to Jesus. They have me experiencing God in a way that I could never have otherwise, that I don't in comfort. And he makes this incredible statement. Remember, he still has his thorn in the flesh. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know why God causes pain. But I know this just from these two sections of scripture already. That God's not going to waste it. That there can be joy in it. That God maybe is doing a work in you. That in his view 
of eternity because he, he, we can't fathom eternity. We think, well, what if I have this my whole life? He's like, your whole life? You don't even know what you're talking about. Like you got 70 years on this rotating ball I made, okay? Your life is eternal. What you're going through now, Paul describes as momentary light affliction. <laughs> Paul uses air quotes, okay? Like he, he, what you're going through now in the, in the scheme of, of, of eternity is, now again, I am not mitigating what you're going through now. What you're going through now is difficult. Loss, and we just had, I just got a text this morning that, um, somebody's friend's dad died of a heart attack last night. And then we know somebody else in our congregation whose mom died. And I mean, it's just like these things are just happening. So I'm not mitigating those. I'm saying that even in the midst of this, God can be found. I want to read one other Old Testament thing. And I also want to give you some instructions on when to quote this verse and when not to quote this verse. <laughs> Okay, I don't care if you get it tattooed on you and you want to look at it yourself or whatever, but until you read the verses after and you understand the context into what was going on, don't just lob a little, you know, verse pass, okay? Like, oh, I know a verse for that. What, let me give you the context. Israel was once a united nation, okay? But it got divided between the north and south and uh, to go on, they, they weren't doing what they were supposed to do as the people of God. They weren't taking care of the poor. They weren't taking care of the alien. They weren't taking care of the orphan or the widow. They were amassing things for themselves. Not only that, they were worshiping idols, most of, most of which uh, um, surround, uh, were around sexuality and all these different these things. And they were rejecting their God. They, they inserted God in there. They never rejected Yahweh fully. But he didn't, he, didn't really, it, he didn't really work for them in these other areas. And so they placed them in these different, these different gods. You know, I have got, I've got a god for my finances. I've got a god for my sexuality. I've got a god for this or that. And then I got, I've got Jesus over here. And I, I got a bracelet, WWJD. I just asked him. There it is. All right? It's cool. So God disciplines them. And the Babylonians come in and take them away. Not only takes them away, takes away their smartest, their richest, their best looking, okay? The cream of the crop. It would be like this. Somebody comes in the garden grove and they just take living spring away, right? Like, 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 like that's it. Into captivity. That's exactly what it was like, okay? I was waiting all morning to tell that joke. Okay. So, so that's what happens. And so Jeremiah comes to give them a word, and the word is basically this. Yeah, you're uh, just get married, buy houses, plant gardens, have babies, and pray. That's basically what he says. And then he says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now we use that verse Oftentimes, it is very encouraging. And this might be the Lord's word for you right now, okay? But to understand the context of when this was written and, and, and the historical of what actually happened, if you're going to quote this verse to somebody, 
you have to add one little phrase for it to be fair. And that last phrase is, in 70 years. Okay? So, your friend says, oh man, I'm, my, you know, my wife and I split up. And you go, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future in 70 years. Okay? Because that's how long it took. In other words, the people who first read this never saw it happen. They read it, and for the rest of their lives, they were in captivity. You say, well, that's kind of weird. Not when you read the rest of the verses. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then he makes an incredible statement. One that I think, as you go through your pain, and as I go through my pain, and as we go through as a, as a community of people, remember, we're a church family. As we f- go through each other's pain, and I get you, 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 those prayer requests, we read them, we pray for them. These are not help my puppies, you know, my puppies teething. Please pray for us. These are real issues that, that we're going through as a, as a church body. But as you're going through that, instead of, I know the plans that he has for you and their plans to prosper you, God says this, I will be found by you. I will be found by you. Those people who were still in captivity, their hope was to find God in the midst of that. That God isn't, because he's silent, he's absent, it's not because he's, he, he, there's pain that he's not any more loving or any more um, powerful. I don't think this is the why, okay? But I have found God in my pain. Oftentimes at deeper levels than I did in my comfort. I'm not saying that's why God allows it. I'm just saying I'm glad he uses it. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, there are some here going through so many issues, so many real things. God, I pray for them. I pray that you'd meet them in that. Lord, I pray as you asked us to pray that you would bring healing. You have the power to heal. We've seen it before. We've seen you do many healings. We pray for the power of deliverance, Lord. We've seen you deliver. I, I pray for your, um, th- that you would bring uh, uh, financial blessing. I've seen you do that before. Lord, I pray you'd, you'd bring kids back to their parents. I've seen you do that. I pray you'd bring healing to the community around us. I've seen you do that. Lord, I pray you'd bring marriages back together. I've seen you do that. I pray that People would be healed of cancer. I've seen you do that. I pray you'd bring your children back to you. I've seen you do that. But Lord, in those times, 
in those times when it's not happening right away, Lord, I pray that you would be found, that we would find you in the midst of the pain, that we would be able to look back and go, that's when I met God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. 